Today's podcast is brought to you by Eggshell Light Company. For over 45 years, Eggshell Light Company has been the go-to specialty shop handling the lighting needs for all that grace the shores of beautiful Hawaii. Combining the artistic methods of the theater with the speed and efficiency of the musical touring industry, they have pioneered event lighting throughout the Hawaiian Islands. They specialize in supply of top-shelf equipment and designers for broadcast, concerts, corporate, and special events. From the smallest weddings to televised concerts and the largest corporate clients, they know that this is your most important event. It is their goal to make you feel that way. Aloha from Eggshell Light Company. Welcome everyone to the newest episode of LD at Large podcast. My name is Chris Lose. I am the designer relations developer for Ayrton Lighting as well as columnist at LD at Large, PLSN Magazine. I hope everybody's checking it and making sure they get their monthly subscription. Uh, I am here today with my very good friend, Jeff Ravitz. He is the lighting designer and founding partner for Intensity Advisors. Welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time, Jeff. Hi, Chris. My pleasure entirely. You are calling in from LA, I would imagine? Yep. I'm right here in North Hollywood, California, on total lockdown. Total lockdown. The, the streets are empty. The bars are closed. Yes, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> I am here in Stony Point, Ontario, population 600, which I would imagine is uh, you have more people in your square mile than I have in my entire district. Probably so, but I'll tell you, uh, if you know anything about Los Angeles traffic, and of course it's world-renowned for being, being awful, the other night we went out to pick up some takeout food. You know, all the restaurants have been closed for about a week, and they're uh, encouraging us to patronize local restaurants for takeout or delivery. At about 6.45 p.m., we went out to... Uh, pick up the food, and the freeway was empty. So anybody that's ever been on an L.A. freeway at uh, evening rush hour knows how unusual that is. It was really like being in some sort of a otherworldly movie. Thank, thankfully, there were no zombies chasing you or uh, a massive flood that you were running from. <laughs> yeah, right. Other, no, we can't see what I've we're running seen. from. <laughs> that's the only other time I've seen even pictures of the LA freeways closed or empty is when there's a uh, a serial killer that or a, a zombie mob or something like that or a a bronco a white bronco running down the freeways. Yeah, yeah, right, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But, yeah, it doesn't happen too often. Maybe a. Um, Maybe an earthquake uh, would would prompt everybody sort of staying in for a day. So uh, we're in, we're in the middle of a historic period here. Everybody, every generation gets their hardships, and we have the most interesting hardship of everybody stay at home and spend spend uh, up to eight weeks with your family. What an interesting it, hardship we have to endure. You know, uh, uh, I think everybody's trying to embrace it as as kind of a welcome relief. It's just not the way we wanted it to go. No, 
No, that's for sure. I, we have to all we all have to find our silver linings where we can. But no, this isn't what we had asked for. Nevertheless, I do think that um, uh, that people can take this as uh, as an opportunity to sort of you know clean clean out the hard drive and uh, reformat a little bit. It's like. Uh like asking for a glass of water and having a swimming pool dumped on your head. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I wasn't that thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh what do you what do you plan on doing with your time? Are you going to you going to spend your time online? Are you going to get out and about? Are you uh, what are your plans? Well, um you know, there's really nowhere to go. I mean, we truly are on lockdown, so there's nowhere nowhere to go. But I'm, I had one one project cancel. That's uh, Coachella. Um, uh, for some reason, March was a weird month. I had three projects that all went away for various you know production related reasons, um, and so I was looking forward to having a little bit of time in March, knowing that I had this uh, big Coachella job in April. And, you know, I'm there for two weeks, so it's a reasonable amount of work. And so that's gone away. Now I've just got kind of clear skies until August or September, if any of those things actually happen. And, you know, things would ordinarily fill in naturally, so I wasn't all that worried about it. It seems to be the same every year. Right around this period of time, things start dropping from the sky, uh, things that I didn't really anticipate, um, projects happen and I get a call here or there. So I knew it would fill in, uh, but that's not going to happen. As it turns out, um, you know, I've been writing a book for a little over a year, uh, with Jim Moody, my old business partner and friend, and we are in the final stages of that. And I needed some time to do that. So ultimately, this month, I'm going to be fairly busy and uh, being responsible. And then, uh, you know, maybe I can knock off a little earlier in the, in the evening and enjoy myself. My wife is a school teacher. She's home. School's canceled. Wow. So, yeah. Writing a book, that is, uh, that's very fortunate timing. That's all you need is some time to really sit and focus. And you've got... No, no shortage of that for a while. Exactly. I mean, I've been weaving it in and out of my work schedule for a year, and it's been tough. And you know, sometimes, when you have a free moment, you don't necessarily want to sit down and knock out a chapter. But I've been doing that, and um, you know, it's probably taken a little longer than if I was just a full-time writer. So this is a blessing in disguise because I can finish it up and stay on schedule. Is it lighting related or elsewhere? It's lighting related. Uh, it's not a murder mystery, although uh, <laughs> I could think of a few <laughs> producers that would, uh, f- uh, you know, make great characters in a lighting murder mystery. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, it's about lighting and it's about, uh, you know, my favorite topic, uh, live entertainment uh, for television, lighting for live ent- entertainment that's being shot or adapted for the camera. That is the, what you're the best at. That's, that's a great topic. I look forward to seeing it. When is that? Do you have any sort of slated release? Or is that still uh, completely up in the air? 
you know, the publishers are a little coy about that. We still have to get the rest of our, um, of our materials in, which at this point is diagrams and photos. And, um, and then all of it needs to be reviewed, uh, edited, come back with revision notes and so on and so forth. Uh, now I know they're intending to get it out before the end of the year, but I don't have an exact release date. So, um, uh, look for it sometime in 2020, unless, circumstances beyond our control just slow it all down but that's one nice thing about writing uh we can actually still do that and share our uh our materials back and forth online so maybe for once i'm on the right side of a catastrophe (laughs) yeah the man who literally wrote the book on uh, lighting television that's i look forward to reading it well, it's going to be fun, um, and hopefully it'll help focus things in, no pun intended, for you know uh, theater students that aren't exactly sure what else they might want to learn about or pursue as a career option, or if they want to be uh, double and triple threats, they can learn a little bit about what we're doing. But these days, TV somehow comes into every designer's life, whether... They're the primary television designer or not. They need to know a little bit more about it. So uh, I'm hoping that it's that it's accepted with open arms. I've, and I think everybody needs to know that these days because we're not we're not just lighting for the the eight cameras that are officially filming. We're also lighting for the for the twenty thousand iPhones that are also filming the show. That's right. That's uh, right. To just know color temperature and balance and to just know how to uh, reduce the shadows and because we're not shooting for those specific moments that we planned anymore. Even in rock and roll, the, the moment somebody turns around or there's a, the, the follow spot goes off is when there's going to be a shot of, full of shadows and all that. That's right. That's right. And you know the uh, the performers or uh, or their manage- managers or both are looking at these things, and uh, when they don't look good and doesn't really show them, you know, looking to make a few adjustments so that their show can look good for the audience and it can also look good for the camera. Now, some of the, some of the camera shots that you get from somebody's iPhone are almost unfixable. They, you know, on some weird, um, point of, uh, of reference in the building and it's almost impossible, but you know, that's kind of our job too. When we're shooting concerts in particular, there's always some weird angle that has to be doctored up that the, typical audience member or the live show lighting designer wouldn't have thought of. Yeah. The people in the front row, they're basically shooting right up the artist's nose. And those are going to be the photos that get shared farther and faster than anybody else that uh, is using a professional camera. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, So it either shows up on YouTube or Instagram or you name it. And um, you know, if you want to just take your chances and look like anything, however it turns out, fine. But I think most artists are vain enough and also career-minded enough that they always want to look their best. Yeah. 
and you are the most of the times that you and I have worked together, it's been for award shows and stuff like that. And the people are just clamoring to get that close up photo of their, their favorite celebrity or something. And inevitably if they're not lit, even when they're walking from the table to the podium, they're gonna, there's going to be an unflattering photo. If, if we haven't even, if we haven't thought of it, we have to be ready for those for every moment. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so, so it's a fun topic to me. I think it's a relevant topic, uh, timely, uh, in our world. And, uh, you know, hopefully people will be interested to hear what we have to say. So one of the things you mentioned that canceled was Coachella. So I'm having a hard time kind of, uh, visualizing what the return is going to be like, what the rebound is going to be like, because I'd imagine most of the people that were slated for Coachella, it was, they had that time off and they were going to go. And now I just can't imagine that when, uh, when the industry bounces back, that it's just going to be an opening of the floodgates. How do you, how do you envision the return to work? What is your first day back to work going to look like? You know, it's really hard to imagine. I can't really, you know, see into my crystal ball quite that, that clearly. Uh, but I, I do think that our industry has always been an important part of any uh, historic downturn. Uh, certainly when there's been recessions, the entertainment industry has been somewhat recession-proof because people need it. And so we've been really lucky. I mean, I've lived through a couple of those, those uh, periods of time that should have hit us hard and uh, somehow we managed to stay afloat because people will go out of their way to, uh, to find a little bit of money and a little bit of time to, to be entertained. And, you know, fortunately, working on, on a lot of television shows, those are, you know, frequently free or part of somebody's monthly budget if they're, you know, buying a, a subscription, that it's coming right into their home and they don't really have to think about it. You know, there was a time that you had to ante up the money for a concert ticket or, or whatever. Which of course, you still do, but there are a lot of other opportunities. So I think that uh, when we do come back, there's going to be a lot of production. Of course, everybody's going to be looking to make up for lost time. Um, it's going to be like we were underwater for six months and we're coming up for our first breath. And you know how you just suck in the air when you finally get up above the surface. So... I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of production. We might not even know what to do with it. But, you know, there are only so many days in the week and in the year and only so many people in the industry. I don't know. It could be a boon for us. Um, in the meantime, I do think that television production will, um, uh, will see a, a large rise. I just saw something about Andy Cohen starting to do uh, a daily broadcast uh, or webcast from his apartment. And I think you're going to be seeing a lot of that. Now, th that doesn't do me much good. I don't think he's going to call anybody in to light it. But, uh, you know, that's going to be the cultural shift. I think people will always be thinking, this could happen again, and we've got to find some way not to be shut down the next time it happens. 
Yeah, I would imagine that the TV industry will come back first. That's not they don't you don't need such a large live audience for television. So I'd imagine you're going to go back to a TV. I would imagine you're going to go back to lighting television first. I would imagine yeah. when the when the when the bands get lifted, it'll be, you know, they'll go back gradual. I would imagine it'll be saying, okay, gatherings of 50 are now acceptable. Um, I think that every, I, I, I do kind of imagine people are going to be reluctant uh, to go back. No, you know, younger, younger people are generally not as bothered by all of this as, as older people. Um, I think psychologically as well as what they tell us about, you know, just physiologically how, how people are affected. So it could be that the concert market roars right back, but I think that there's still going to be an abundance of, of caution. Um, so it's not going to restore instantly to full 20,000 uh, seat arenas. Uh, so yeah, it could be that smaller, smaller TV shows and maybe social distancing to a, a certain extent uh, will still happen. I'm trying to picture Coachella with social distancing with, you know, they're accustomed to a hundred thousand people showing up and they only allow 20 and squeezed in. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody has to maintain a six foot distance. And (laughs) it, it, it's comical to think about, um, and probably, probably would never happen, but, uh, you know, I think it's going to be on people's minds for a while. I agree. I I look forward to seeing how it I'm I'm hoping it's a gradual return, but I I can't imagine in the the land of the free where as soon as the regulations are lifted we're not just going to go right back to just open the open this open the gates and let people go right back to full full tilt. Right, right. I I think I think there'll be a little little bit of uh, of caution uh involved uh i'm trying to picture who would be the first person to ring the alarm bell saying uh, that we're we're all good to go back oh if it'll be the production companies it'll be live nation (laughs) we're all just waiting on live nation to say that (laughs) that we're ready yeah ready let's tickets on sale interesting yeah, I know I've had quite a few, uh, not just shows canceled on me, but actual uh, events that I was going to attend as well as outside of production. And I'm really looking forward to see how those, how they'll reach out to me and say, hey, hey the, the, Russell, the Russell Brand show and the Billie Eilish tour are back on. You guys can come back now. Uh, we'll, see how yeah. that, we'll see how that pans out. I mean, I do wonder if, uh, and I've been thinking this for for a week or so, how many concert artists would consider just doing a a, a televised version of their show. I realize that it's not, they're not getting the feedback that they are used to getting, Mm -hmm. but they may just want to get their their performance out there. you know, Rolling Stones just canceled. Uh, of course, everyone's canceled. Um, and so if they are interested in, you know, maybe bringing something uh, out there to the, to the public that supports them, they may not want to wait six or eight months. I mean, this could be six or eight months. They're talking about 18 months because of the speed 
at which they can develop either medicines or vaccines. So, um, you know, it could be that many months before large gatherings, you know, I mean, 50, 100, we're, you know, we're, we're used to talking about, you know, 10 to 20,000 just out of the blink of an eye uh, mm-hmm. or more. Uh, that's, you know, that's commonplace in our world. And uh, uh, that just is, may not be realistic for quite some time. So some of these groups might just say, hey, well, put a little something out there. Maybe it's a teaser. Maybe it's not a full show. Maybe just enough to get people to want to see the full show. And it'd be expensive to mount, but, you know, there's ways to monetize that. And people are out there, you know, yeah, I watched uh, Dropkick like Murphy for uh, St. Patrick's Day live yeah. uh, live stream, and that was inspiring. I would imagine there's a lot of other people that were equally inspired that are working on the same thing right now, trying to make that happen, trying to gather the troops or an, enough troops to make something like that happen. Yeah, I mean, still you have to get a, a, a team of people together, and they're asking us not to do that sort of thing anymore, or at least te- temporarily. So... You have to think, how do you get a production like that together without breaking all the social distancing rules? Uh, but, you know, when there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, I don't know how you even unload a truck without uh, yeah, like right. 10 people together. Right, right. But, you know, there may be a time when uh, the restrictions are lifted one step at a time where something like that could be realistic, much more realistic than uh, fitting five to 20,000 people into an arena or a theater. I would imagine there's going to be a lot of people with a lot of high expectations reaching out, trying to get us to break, break the rules. And you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't think that's something that you're unaccustomed to. I would imagine hundreds of clients come to you trying to like, Hey, so can you do this uh, asking for the moon? And you're like, well, no, we can't do that. How do you, how do you often man, manage expectations like that? You know, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty firm about that sort of thing. Uh, you don't want to be a naysayer. And um, I, I, I try to do it diplomatically, but I get asked so frequently to sort of break that, you know, good, fast and cheap triangle and uh, and sometimes just defy the laws of physics um, and I'm pretty forthcoming about the impossibility of doing those things I guess in the long run I like to sort of under promise and over deliver and uh, a lot of times after I've said no 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 it can't be done or it shouldn't be done um, I do it <laughs> you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to, of course, try to give them what they wanted, but I'm not going to promise that it can happen because really, maybe there's a 50-50 chance it can't happen. Um, and if you know the producer well enough, of course, you can say, I'll give it a try, but bear in mind, it may not be possible to do exactly like you described. And then there are those other producers that just don't want to hear it or they don't have enough experience themselves and they saw something in a movie that was, you know, probably half CGI and, you know, they want, (laughs) want you to do the same thing. Um, and, um, I can be, I can be pretty firm about, uh, about 
whether it can happen or not, just so that I don't get myself into a complete waste of time trying to do something that I know is going to be the tail wagging the dog, spending 95% of my time to do something that's you know 5% of the production while everything else kind of slides into the ocean. Um, or, you know, attempting to do it and then just having it be a big, miserable failure. But in the meantime, I'm always still trying to do it so that they can come up and go, hey, you know, you, uh, you know, you did it or you came pretty close. Um, and, uh, you know, as diplomatically as you can do it, um, of course, is the difference between keeping them confident in you and uh, uh, having them walk away thinking, well, maybe I hired the wrong guy because, you know, there is always, always that chance that someone else would promise it, even if they. I would imagine that's where your level of expertise and experience comes in the most handy when you're trying to convince people like, no, I've been through this before. I know what can, what is possible and what isn't. Yeah. I mean, I, I try to, uh, and hope that, uh, that I've, somehow gain their confidence and, you know, based, based on experience. Um, because, you know, there is always someone who will promise almost anything. And, uh, you know, the producers are, are, they are attracted to that. They gravitate to that sort of thing, but they need to know that when we're spending their money, we want to spend it wisely. Uh, I would imagine LA is rampant with that, uh, with over promising and, not under delivering <laughs> and under delivering they, they they really have no idea what uh what they're doing when they're trying to say like well of course i know how to organize a festival on an island in the bahamas of course i know how to do that <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> exactly uh, so i try to be careful um uh, about what i what i promise a producer can, can happen um and, you know, sometimes I look around the room for some support and, you know, you just get a bunch of blank stares. So I realize I'm standing there on my own uh, trying to bring a producer down to reality. Yeah. I know that you and I have been on stage moving lights all by ourselves when, when everybody else had been cut because the the show was just over budget and people had to go home and you and I were the only people left. And we're like, well, let's... If we don't focus these Lecos, it's they're not going to get focused. So sometimes we just have to hop in and fill in so that we 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 can fulfill our promises. Well, exactly, exactly. And I remember some of those times, you know, very clearly. And um, you know, we've got a show must go on, can do mentality because we got into this business not just for the money, but probably because we were crazy enough to just love this business and what, <laughs> what, what we're able to do. And so, um, you know, when the, when the clock runs out, sometimes that's not the end of the job. Yep. I think that's probably one of the hardest things about right now is that for us, it's not a job. It's not just a job. We're not just home from our uh, punch clock, we are actually home from our passion, and we're we're being limited by we're being told that like all of your friends that you hang out with all the time, you can't go see them. All the people that you hang out with for months on end, you can't hang out with them right now. Yeah, right. 
you know, I don't want to diminish the the roles of anybody else's jobs, but this is beyond our our job. This is our our passion, our art, our our creativity. It's a little bit of everything that we are. Well, it's kind of funny because uh, you know we're really not in control. I think we have a feeling of being forced to do this and that that we are out of control. But uh, on the other hand, if you want to look at it differently, we really are in control of our resolve to get rid of this thing. Um, and if we do it, you know, a lot of people are, you know, looking for any way to sort of break the, uh, uh, break the rules, so to speak, and go out there and, you know, somehow um, think that their, that their indiscretion is not going to cause anybody any harm or themselves any harm, but we're really in control. It just takes a lot of willpower and a little bit of resolve. And, uh, maybe we'll, uh, we'll be able to put all this behind us pretty quickly. So I like to think of it that way that, uh, you know, we, we're in the driver's seat to end this. I fully agree. There's a lot of people that say, well, it's not going to affect me. So I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing. And uh, that's not exactly the case. Just because it doesn't affect you doesn't mean it's not going to affect the person next to you. Exactly, exactly. And as I said, you know, everybody has to figure that, you know, they're infected. And, um, you know, I think you have to figure everyone else is infected too. <laughs> so, you know, when you think about it, about it that way, um, we just have to break the chain of transmission. Yeah. And that's uh, counterintuitive for lighting people. Air gap. We want an. Air, we actually want an air gap. <laughs> yes, that, that's a great way to put it. We we must all embrace the air gap right now because we need it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Resist the temptation to connect that. Yeah, uh, you thought you needed a soft reset, but you were wrong. You need a hard reset here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Turn, you got to turn twenty twenty off and back on again. It's going to take a. <laughs> about a, a a two week reset time yeah yeah exactly and maybe we just need to hop to 2022 <laughs> <laughs> some of the things that i'm seeing right now since everybody's at home are so amazing i'm seeing the it's the, wow yeah the apparently the the canals of venice have all clean all cleared up and they're all the mud is settled and the there's just little things that are happening. Like, wow, that's something I never thought I would see. That's amazing to hear. So that dark green mucky water in the canals is clear now. It, so it's two. It's a twofold thing. It was the flooding that had happened recently, which pushed a bunch of the mud out, and then now that there's just nobody in the canals. It's literally a hard reset on Venice. Who knows? This might be like, you know, exactly what the world needed. There'll be all kinds of things sort of coming back. You know, maybe the uh, glaciers will freeze again. (laughs) (laughs) There's no planes flying, or at least there's less planes flying right now. There's less cars. There's a bunch of people hanging out with their families. And this might just be the hard reset that we've all been looking for. I think so. I think so. (laughs) so I, I feel like we totally got off topic of lighting there. But, yeah, well, uh, that's, that's okay. That's so, it's so much on our minds these days that it's uh, sort of natural that, you know, we keep, keep coming back to that. Uh, 
I know that my dog has immediately found the silver lining. My dog is like, oh my God, I haven't gotten this much attention in in months. What's what's yep. happening here? Yep, same with ours. <laughs> it's like, oh wow, they're here every day. All four of them? They're all here? <laughs> my yeah. dog is getting more pets than uh, he's ever thought possible. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I wonder if the dogs were involved in doing this. They're, they they are a clever bunch. They're far more <laughs> clever than we give them credit yeah. for. Uh, I wouldn't... Uh, it's hard to imagine when I watch JJ uh, chasing his own tail and eating balloons and <laughs> he ate the kids' vitamin C pills the other day. I'm like, you are so dumb but maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong uh they're, they're definitely the ones that are benefiting from this huh interesting yeah yeah for sure for sure i was just thinking what does vitamin c do to a uh to a dog we called a, he's just going to pee it out oh uh, his, his body's going to soak up what he needs and uh, which is very little dogs don't need a lot of vitamin c according to his vet who is still working, which is amazing. We were very happy. Mm, Apparently the, yeah. the veterinarians are not overwhelmed at the moment. They're doing just fine. Good, good. Happy to hear that. So uh, to bring this back to lighting so that we don't get too far off track. Yes, yes. One of the things that I've always enjoyed about working with you is your ability to treat follow spot operators with the utmost respect when they are clearly having a hard time getting the exact values that you're looking for. I, I watch you spending so much time balancing follow spots and with, with such attention to detail. How do you find the patience for that? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I think that it's just necessary. Uh, it, it does, it does take a while and it does take some patience, but you have to, uh, think of that those follow spots as the most important lights in the show sometimes, uh, especially for an award show uh, or for, uh, for a concert shoot, for a stand-up comedy show. That, that key light that's on the performer is the most important light in the show. And uh, it, a lot of things uh, are, a lot of other things in the picture are based on how that, follow spot looks. So you just have to take the time. And I've gotten faster at it over the years. Uh, some follow spots, um, you know, uh, quality of certain spots kind of does me in if you get an old one or, you know, one with a bad lamp and you have no choice, but to still make it work, I can do it if I have enough time. But um, it's, uh, it's a bit of precision that I like. Uh, so, you know, I enjoy the, um, uh, the ethereal aesthetic art part of, of lighting. And I also like a little bit of the scientific nuts and bolts math part of it. And it's uh, just all about, about being precise. That's, you know, a lot of what I do. It's about, about, you know, putting, adding precision to art. Ooh, that's a great, uh, that'd be a great title for the book. <laughs> Uh, what what are the nuts and bolts that you're looking for? You're looking, f I would imagine you're working with the DP to figure out exactly what 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 you're looking for. And yeah, yeah. Does it does it vary or does it stay the same? Are you always looking for the same color temperature, the same frame rate, and all that? 
would change it uh, show by show. Um, okay. Sometimes, um, sometimes it's because of uh, elements in the in, in the environment that we have no control over, like a video screen. So, uh, if there's a video screen, I can't necessarily. Um, ask them to color correct it all the way to 3200 because that is um, a very bizarre look to the live audience in the room. If there was no live audience, I suppose we could. But these days, with all of the LED sources and all of the arc sources, there's a lot less um, compelling reason to uh, uh, to balance the show to tungsten to 3200. I do that mostly when I'm working in a theater. I do a lot of comedy specials, I've done some operas and things like that, you're in a legit theater and you're required to use all the Lecos that they've got. And unless you have the time and the budget to color correct every single Leco, which is just a lot of gel. Uh, so it's just a, you know, a money thing, but it's also a time thing. And also putting that piece of gel in there reduces the output of the light. So if you can do that, you know, you could uh, change all of those Lecos to be a higher color temperature. But if you can't, then, uh, then the show is going to be balanced to 3,200. A lot of the cameras, actually, their, their chips uh, like 3,200. And so you're working at, uh, at a color that the you know, cameras electronically seem, seem to be compatible with. Then you've got, but then if you've got the, uh, the video screen or daylight or anything like that, that would uh, force you to a higher color temperature. Sometimes you go you know, midway so that it doesn't look too blue to the live audience. So maybe 4,300, you know, halfway between daylight and tungsten. And sometimes you just go all the way to daylight, 5,600, so that the screens have an easier time of it. You don't have to correct all the moving lights and the LEDs quite as much. And, uh, you know, really 5,600 people think it's, it's, it looks, Quickly and true 5600 isn't all that blue. It is bluer than tungsten, but it's not blue to the eye. People think that everyone will look um, uh, extremely unnatural, uh, but you get you get accustomed to it uh, pretty quickly uh, as an audience member. Once you get up to 6500 and so on, which is what some of the uncorrected follow spots are, then it starts to look blue. Anyway, I'm blah blah blahing on, but you get the point. Is the amount of LED in the in the studio helping or hurting you these days? Is it speeding you up or slowing you down? I think it's helping. I like it a lot. I love it. Um, you have to know how to tame it. It's not the easiest thing in the world. And it is additive color mixing as opposed to subtractive. And so it still takes some getting used to, even, you know, several years into the evolution of... Uh, of LED lighting on, on our stages. Uh, it used to be that they were good to maybe light scenery or to just look pretty in the background, but now we can light people's faces with LED sources. And uh, the these, um, uh, these presets that allow 
for just dialing right into a particular color temperature, which helps when they're accurate. They're not always accurate. So, you know, you take one manufacturer's uh, word for it being a true 3200 or 5600 and then realize that it's not. But that's why I have my meter with me. Mm -hmm. So you can always do do those adjustments uh, that way. Um, and if you do it right, you can get a really good uh, cross-section of the, of the spectrum, which the camera likes, and skin tones look better, and everything, everything looks better. Ultimately, the arc sources and tungsten sources are much uh, more represented in a broad part of the spectrum. So you don't have those little spikes of one color. Usually it's blue. Mm -hmm. um, but... Um, and then, and then big troughs where there's nothing in the spectrum. And so it does tend to wreak havoc on the, on the video controller and then in post-production. But now, you know, with um, LED fixtures that have more and more uh, uh, chip colors, you can get more representation of the spectrum and it's starting to get up there to a really respectable uh, level. And... Um, you know, you've uh, you've got more consistent color, light to light. That's one of the things that I've I've really enjoyed. Um, some of the daylight and tungsten uh, ellipsoidals. Uh, you set all of those to a color temperature, and then walk down the line and meter each one. They are really am amazingly close to one another. And you know, with uh, arc source lights, you'll never get that. Right. Um, you know, based on a zillion factors, whether it's voltage or lamp life or dirt in the little reflector that's built into the light or what have you, um, those things are wildly inconsistent, uh, whereas the LEDs aren't. And uh, that part is good. And, you know, the, uh, the, the power consumption part is good. When you're working in a situation where you've got limited power consumption, sure comes in handy. Uh, to be able to put, you know, 50 lights on, on 120 amp uh, circuit. Yeah, the days of grip was so much uh, slower than you'd have to grab 50 lights and then you'd have to set up so many C-stands and run a cable for each one. But now you can you run one distro and, and just spider off of that one so quick and easy now. Yeah, the cube tap is making a resurgence. <laughs> I was talking to somebody in Nashville recently. They were saying that uh, they can't keep enough cube taps in stock anymore. They just we, we can't get enough cube taps. That's funny because they're they're flying off the shelf. <laughs> yeah, that is really funny because yeah, you can you can do it now. Uh, when you go on a, uh, like an interview set and you're using panel lights or something like that, you can put you know a few of them on a circuit before it gets to be a problem. And in the days when it was you know an HMI, uh, you couldn't fluorescent help that. But I mean, going back to the HMI days, um, on a even on a small interview set. You could only get a couple of lights on a circuit, if or one light on a circuit. It's interesting in rock and roll because lights are getting more efficient. We're just adding more lights, whereas in TV, you you only need so many front lights. So you're just you're getting uh, actual smaller smaller distros, and you're actually using it the way it was intended. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, on the, on uh, Springsteen, when we changed all of our, we had we had tungsten washes for years. Bruce loves tungsten, and I love tungsten, and so we had all of these wash lights that were tungsten with a with a color 
scroller in front of them. And when, you know, the times had changed and that just wasn't practical anymore, uh, we convinced him to allow us to change all of those to LED watches. Um, and, uh, um, the, you know, we, we were using like, uh, a third of the power that we had used on the previous tour. So, I mean, I don't know whether the band gets charged uh, uh, by the watt or the kilowatt from the, from the promoter. I doubt that they do, but you know, just in terms of saving the world uh, we were, we were making some progress. Is that a request that you get often? Are people being more concerned about your eco-friendliness in design? Are people asking you to save the world? Uh, from from your chair not really not really but we do no. it on our own oh good for you i would imagine bruce isn't asking you to uh, reduce your carbon footprint for the lighting rig too much i haven't been asked by him to do that but I, but when we um introduced all of those led fixtures uh that was one of the things i told him when you know he came into the rehearsal room and uh, saw what we were doing and he you know he he wanted to see it for himself even though we had done sort of a one fixture demo for him suddenly there there we were and there were 80 of them right in front of him and that was one of the things i mentioned and you know he was very very happy about that i don't even think he realized that it was a request he could have made uh but there it was Oh, it's good to know. I would imagine that's always a feel-good uh, story when you know that uh, you're you're being more efficient and you're helping save the save energy. Yeah, why not? Why not? I mean, you know, it's our world. It's our kids' world. So, um, you know, I think it makes sense. And uh, uh, yeah, I was just thinking back in, the, in when Radiohead first did the all LED rig. Um, that Andy Watson designed and how amazing it was to all of us. And th that was back in the days where the lights really weren't as uh, sophisticated as they are now, just in terms of their ability to, to, to move and zoom and the number of, uh, of colors that, that were available. And yet it was a dazzling show. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there were some, I don't remember the exact number, but it was like ridiculously low in power consumption. So, yeah, we're getting there. We're getting lower and lower every every season. Yeah, yeah. So I I love that part of it. Cool. Maybe by the time we're back to work, we'll actually be in the middle of another LED revolution. Well, I would hope that the manufacturers are giving it some thought, but they are all the time anyway. Uh, there is, you know, kind of a race for, you know, to be the, the biggest and best, which is only good for us. Yep. That is how of the, all the problems. That's how the free market works. So you got to keep requesting more, more efficient fixtures. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, if we're, if we're down for, you know, two to six months, let's hope that we have some new toys to play with at the end of that. I will make sure that uh, we stay up to date on that one and uh, please on the newest toys. <laughs> please do. You got it. Thank you so much for your time, Jeff. We have come right up to the, the very end of what I can record. I, I feel like we could take this uh, into uh, a wine bar and continue for several more hours. Okay. As soon as the, uh, <laughs> as, yeah. as soon as the lockdown is over, let's do that. Absolutely. I'll definitely make sure to, 
keep you on my list next time I'm in LA to show you all the new toys over a, a nice bottle of wine. Please do. Please do. Thank you very much, Jeff. My pleasure. Always great talking to you, Chris. Always a pleasure.